Welcome to the ESPR podcast Inside Conflict with Moritz Ehrmann. So in the first episode of our ESPR podcast series Inside Conflict, we're going to discuss the conflict in Sudan. And we will try to go as deep as possible into the topic. So over the past decades since Sudan's independence, there have only been brief periods of relative stability. Sustained resistance of different insurgency groups, as well as the eventual independence of the South, were a result of this. After the fall of Sudan's longtime dictator Hamar al-Bashir, the so-called Juba process was started with most of the insurgency groups in the country. And yet this process still presents many challenges. While the revolution that ousted al-Bashir apparently only led the country into a different kind of instability, with severe socio-economic and political pressures seeming to once again threaten Sudan's stability. And of course, the recent turbulent uh, developments uh, in Khartoum are a good example of this. And I'm here with uh, our two experts, uh, Mrs. Uh, Manar Asrak uh, from the Sudanese uh, diaspora in Vienna, and a known insider in Sudanese politics. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, of course, I'm also here with our uh, own uh, uh, in-house expert, our head of uh, research, uh, Jan Pospisil, who uh, is also an expert on peace processes. Thanks for being here. Hi, good to be here. So as our third topic, let us discuss the question of living and surviving in contemporary Sudan. The last years of Bashir's regime have of course been characterized by high inflation, unemployment and a constant rise of prices of goods of daily life. Regular bread revolts weakened the Bashir regime and finally were an important trigger point for the protests that brought about its end. However, the socio-economic conditions in all parts of Sudan remain challenging and endanger the success of the political transition. So Manar, uh, on the background uh, of, of all of this, how would you describe um, the socio-economic uh, situation in the country uh, today, uh, but also looking back a bit, uh, sort of um, uh, the, the factors that, that brought uh, the, about the, the protests that ended the, the regime of al-Bashir? Uh, the economic crisis and the economic hardship started again. Uh, it started a long uh, time ago before the fall down of Al Bashir. Uh, actually, it started with the um, with the with the decision of the of the South Sudan, and uh, because the South Sudan, uh, the oil reserve of the Sudan, 75% of it is in a, uh, in a, a South Sudanese territorial. Uh, also the foreign debt, uh, capital flight, and uh, no productions, no import, export, and uh, no development, no sustainable development. All this contribute to the then and the current, also current situations. Uh, the relief of the debt, um, I mean, it needs time. 
it needs time we uh, we feel now uh, a little bit in a, for example like a transfer of capital and stuff like that uh, after the review of the restriction of the sanction and uh, the embargo and all of this and the international international uh, isolation uh, it is a little bit better but you don't feel the result is still on the ground it is even worse lack of oil lack of uh, uh, primary goods and uh, immigrate still immigration migration from uh, the cities and rural areas to the center and uh, uh, also uh, environmental issues that contributed also to people to leave their areas and to search for uh, fresh water or, or, or food or something like that in, in, in other areas. Um, right now, the main problem of Sudan is the lack of security, I have to say, you know, and you cannot forget uh, economic in this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you um, want to add something? Jan, do you want to add uh, something, uh, perhaps uh, especially on this uh, issue of the lack of security? Yeah, I mean, the, the problem was always, uh, this goes a bit back, that um, Sudan had always um, a highly educated workforce in the center, but high unemployment, and even Bashir was never really able to control this even when the oil money was available. Now, it's always um, after a regime change, the issue that there is a rise in, in everyday insecurity because of, 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 of splits from the kind of freeing up of, of security apparatus. We have now a digital peace process, a lot of militias in Khartoum. Um, we have also like uh, uh, increasing instability in the East and in the four, which kind of affects people really in their daily living. So like the daily kind of living situations of even moving around in Khartoum have become very difficult. And Khartoum was, I think, and, and this contradicts many kind of stories that people have in, in their minds about Sudan, but Khartoum was over decades one of the safest places on the planet, you have to say. It's kind of what it was, what a nice city it was. But it's, it's, and it is kind of logical that after a regime change and then a transition, these things are challenging, but as Manar said, if this is not going to, to, to address, who is going to invest like long-term? Who is thinking long-term economically? And what we see at the moment, for the first time in history, the Sudanese pound now is weaker than the South Sudanese pound, which is an interesting kind of indicator because both started almost after the split of uh, South Sudan with a 1-1 exchange rate to the dollar. And now, for the first time, the, South, the Sudanese pound, which I think last time was, uh, in the last weeks, almost hit 500. 500 uh, Sudanese pounds for a dollar. Uh, whereas in South Sudan, they are now, at the moment, relatively stable at 400. This, I mean, there is there are certain factors uh, influencing these exchange rates, but it tells you a lot about the decline, the recent decline of the Sudanese economy, also after Bashir fell, because there is, at the moment, like a... A problem of long-term investment um, and and stable long-term economic activities because of where everybody's waiting at the moment where this 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 transition leads to.
Yeah, and then, then of course, there's this question of, uh, of the international debt relief uh, and the reintegration into the international uh, financial flows that should have uh, come out of this, um, that followed uh, the, the fall of uh, uh, al-Bashir's uh, uh, regime. Um, so, how did this impact? Did this have an impact yet? Is this having an impact yet on, on, on the economic uh, situation? Um, well, of course, uh, for example, the banks in Sudan can now operate worldwide. Uh, but in order to have really a effect, real effect, significant effect, uh, you have to have infrastructure. You cannot get the debt relief and you think something will happen. Mm -hmm. It will not happen. You have to have also a strategic plan how you 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 are going to execute this kind of stuff, and you don't see any hints from the government in this direction. You just see every day like who is coming to invest and what kind of agreement and and uh, have been signed and stuff like that. But everybody asking themselves what are they going to do in this kind of situation? Mm -hmm. The inflation also and. Um, uh, yeah, maybe it's a matter of time or a matter of management mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or maybe both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem of debt relief. You can't invest the debt relief um, because it's money that has already been spent yeah. that is relieved. Uh, and the idea is that the debt relief would um, ease new loans, but in a situation that is politically so unstable, any loan Sudan is going to get is a political loan, basically. Yeah. They're not getting, like, commercial loans will be always very, very expensive. Might be easier to get, but it's very, very difficult still. So there's no, not, not enough fresh money coming in at the moment. I think the, the reintegration of Sudan in the international financial flows makes a difference. I mean, credit cards work, which is kind of what a huge difference, because I remember I remember speaking to a Sudanese businessman um, during the Bashir times, he couldn't even, when he had, had business with the UK, he couldn't even book a hotel in London. He, he had no chance, whatever, he would just pop up there and would need to do everything with another bank account in other countries. He couldn't do it from Sudan. And these things are, of course, enormously difficult if you want to do business. In theory, this is easier now, but there is the trade-off at the moment with the difficult security situation and investment is at the moment not going to come as soon as, as long as, as it's not clear how the situation develops. Mm -hmm. Looking very difficult, of course, and no easy answers, I guess, uh, to any of these questions. Mm. Let us, um, before we end this very interesting uh, conversation, have uh, a look at the uh, completely different and, I think, positive uh, development, um, which is um, the question of uh, gender relations and the role uh, of women in uh, Sudanese society and how this might have changed uh, with the revolution, um, as women, of course, played a very active role in the, in the protests uh, and, and the revolution that led to the fall of uh, al-Bashir. Uh, ladies first, of course, in this question. Okay. So please, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I, I, I would start with a little bit um, with the movement of the Sudanese woman as general. This is start in the 40s. Mm -hmm. And they have a long history 
uh, of resistance, let us say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it was, you know. And uh, the very Sudanese woman who sat in the parliament, it was in the late in, um, end of the 60s, you know. And, uh, but unfortunately, this happened with every regime, you know. This happened in every regime. I, women have no chance for, I have less perspective, let us say so, has less perspective uh, uh, than men, mm-hmm. even if they have the equal qualification, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, not in the payment products of that, not in the payment, but to, uh, to, to, to get a position or to, uh, to participate. And uh, we see it also now. We see it also now. They are in the waiting. They were equally uh, in this revolution, let's say so, but uh, they are in the waiting. We see the representation of women in all kinds of institution or uh, in the interim government and stuff like that is really very poor, you know. And uh, women in Sudan, they take a mere pastical. They were the first, um, uh, the first, the first victim of the Islamic regime, you know, uh, with the with the Sharia law, with the Islamic law. They were the first victim of the civil war. They were the first victim of the genocide with children and, of course, everybody else, you know. But uh, there is a very long history of uh, of resistance and and uh, and uh, problems for women uh, for for women in Sudan. Uh, but I am I'm very hopeful. I'm I'm very I'm very hopeful because. Uh, I know the personality of a Sudanese woman of the Kandaka society, so to say, uh, with a warm give up. <laughs> that easily. Yeah. Very good. Um, Jan, what are your views on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add. It's just to say, and this also refers to the questions we, we discussed before, what I think the Islamists were never able to really achieve is to exclude women from education and, and kind of like a certain certain like motivation to be part of, 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 of the workforce. And I think this is the long tradition that has been there in the women's movement, also like in other party movements, but like this has had traction. And this means now um, that actually... Sudan, as Manar said, is kind of in the waiting. So, like, if there are conditions um, in favor of like a broad economic development, especially the gender relations, are one of these elements that are kind of a bit different. Like socially, women are stronger than in, in other countries in in terms of the the, the complex complexion of of society, and they are well educated. So there there is a huge chance, basically, and huge opportunities for. For economic recovery, also in the broader sense, due to this. Good. So we end with an almost positive note. At least uh, the opportunities are there. So um, thank you so much, uh, Manar and uh, and Jan, for this uh, really, really interesting uh, and enriching uh, conversation um, on. Uh, the Sudan, the conflicts uh, in Sudan, and all the many, many issues and uh, root causes and issues related to that um, that are important to be, to be discussed. Um, this will now end uh, our discussion on uh, the conflict uh, in Sudan, um, and of course, I'm already looking forward to our next. Uh, 
The next conflict we're going to, to look at, uh, I can tell you already, it's not an easy one. It's not the one that, uh, that is any uh, less complicated than the one we discussed now. Um, it is uh, the, the question of uh, Israel-Palestine. And uh, yeah, in the next episode, we will, we will continue uh, looking at this with, um, uh, I can tell you already, very, very few, uh, very, very interesting uh, experts. Subscribe to our podcast or visit the website insideconflict.com. For more information about the work of the ASPR, visit ASPR.ac.at. Until next time.